What's up, everybody? On this week's episode of Guys Talking Sports, we talk about the Super Bowl or lack thereof of a Super Bowl, considering the, the outcome of the game. Uh, we also talk college basketball uh, because we just didn't want to talk about the NBA. And we thought it'd be pretty cool to talk about some college basketball and the ramifications of the uh, the free season that these athletes have and the Blue Buds not owning up to being Blue Buds in this particular season. So make sure you guys tune in in this week's episode of Guys Talking Sports. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Guys Talking Sports. Today is Wednesday, February 10th, the Wednesday after the Super Bowl. Personally, I don't even want to talk about the crap, but I guess because we are a show, we must talk about it. We talk about those. Said that at the beginning. <laughs> oh no, it's cool. We, we got to talk about it. I, oh, I put it like this: I'm hosting today. Okay. I must bring it up. I don't necessarily have to say anything about it. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So, with that being said, did you guys waste your three hours like I wasted mine? <laughs> but before I even go there, before I even go there. <laughs> How you guys doing? <laughs> I, I guess I'm, I'm so in a rush just to get rid of all of that crap. How you guys doing? How was, how was your week? You know what I mean? We got so much going on in the world. We got a second impeachment going on with the past, the past orange man, you know, snow all over the place. You know, uh, government telling you to wear two masks now. I, you know, just so much going on. How, how you guys doing? How's, how's life? Well, I don't even know how to follow that up. But just saying that um, we are all maintaining. <laughs> Yo, my t-shirt just reads it all right now. I'm 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 content right now. I'm I'm pretty blessed right now with everything that's going on, man. I'm content. <laughs> isn't that a, is, isn't that a isn't that a song title by somebody, with Charlie Wilson or somebody? I'm blessed, something like that. I thought there were so many about that one time. Yeah, now there's so many songs. Um, <laughs> uh, me from about... a me coming from a, a religious background, of course, it's all Fred Hammond. There's you know so many other versions out there. Um, so, but yes, there yes yes there's but we're, other songs. we're definitely not talking about the Lil Wayne version of Blessed. No, 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 He comes up with some innovative ways about being blessed. <laughs> yes, yes. Come on, man, it's a family show. <laughs> I have not said anything. He, said no, he, he didn't say anything, so, you know. No, F, the, FD, the FCC already censored us from the last conversation when he started that show off. I'm not going to say mention names, but that time when he, you know, Accidentally bleeped out. I had to accidentally bleep out that word that he used in the beginning. Oh, well, I, I'll try not to use that word again. <laughs> like you really will. But I digress. Continue, man. <laughs> but now that we've gotten our good uh, good vibes out the way, I ask the question again: Did you guys waste your three hours watching the game like I did? And what was your take? You know, it, you know it, was it wasted? A little, but not necessarily complete waste because, like I 
predicted last week, and I hated to bet against the man, but I did say that it just it felt like you know the all the roads, everything was breaking his way. It just felt like this was the storybook ending, the way it was going to come. You know, Brady versus Mahomes. This is what everybody was looking for. Everybody wanted. They've been wanting it since probably the first time they played. You know, midseason. It was a week. 11 or week 10 somewhere around there but um but it was it was um very underwhelming <laughs> I mean but you got to give credit what credit is due to the um Tampa Buccaneers Tom Brady and most definitely the MVP should went to Todd Bowles because it was that defense the defensive scheme um that he put on the Kansas City Chiefs that basically held them at bay I mean granted you know Kansas City was missing, you know, really four of the offensive linemen, but one kind of opted out beginning of the season. So he was missing at least three, two that got injured, two all-pro tackles, and they were shifting people around. So I credit Todd Bowles for, you know, sensing, sensing where the blood was at. He sensed blood was in the water before the game got started. You had to put in two um, – really three backups. You were switching people around on the offensive line. The last thing you want to do is in the Super Bowl is to switch stuff around, especially the offensive line. Um, they couldn't run the ball effectively, and it was like a jailbreak every time Patrick Mahomes snapped the ball. I actually felt bad for the kid, you know, a couple times during the game because, you know, by the time he snapped the ball and he was in basically shotgun for most of the, for most of the game, um, the DBs and you know and the linemen were literally right back there with him when he got the ball. So his offensive line just couldn't handle the pressure. They played cover two, so they couldn't get any deep passes down the middle. They made them, you know, basically had the nickel and dime had to eat their way down the field. And they brought it to them. They got their whipped. And it was sad. It's not the worst football I've ever seen. But the outcome was more or less just what I expected, but it was frustrating at, at the same event. So wasn't the wasn't the worst wasted three hours of a Super Bowl that I've ever had, but it ranks up there. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you, um, and I I chatted about this too. Um, yeah. I, I I chatted about this with you guys, of course, um, in the chat. Um, when Leonard Fournette ran for that touchdown and when he scored and the defense basically just virtually let him go through. I mean, of course, he did, you know, shake a couple of people, but the back defense didn't just, they just let him ease right into the actual touchdown. I just knew that it was already over. Like the defense, Kansas City defense to me didn't look like they was, Enthousi enthusiastic to play. Um, but there was a lot of things wrong. Like you could tell it was a lot of things wrong. And as soon as that's that's as soon as that play happened, that's when I was like, you know what, I'm done watching it because I wasn't invested like I was at the beginning stage, and it was just going downhill from there. Like after a while, I was like, all right, Kansas City is gonna eventually make their comeback like they always do because of their offense and who they are. But 
when you just started seeing the level of play and just, there wasn't like no umph, like no sense of urgency. Once you saw that continuing to go downward and you just, it was just a change. It was like Tampa Bay was just going up while they were just going back. They didn't even get the ground running. So when that happened, I was just like, I'm not invested anymore. I'm not, you know what? It's, I, I just don't see them coming back after this. And for them not to score a touchdown, to be the best offensive team virtually in these past couple of years, and for them not to score an offensive touchdown where it matters, that was a shocker. Um, but I'm going to be honest with you, after that that Fournette play, I stopped watching. I just waited to hear from you guys whether or not they was going to come back in the chat room. Wasn't completely invested in it. Um, I, I was intrigued to see whether or not they was going to come back, but not enough to watch it. Well, I guess if we are going to talk about it ad nauseum a little bit. Um, Earl hit it on the head when they talked about the offensive line. The offensive line was definitely porous. Um, when three quarters of your line is pretty much hurt, you know, and they're shuffling people all over the place and all around, there's only so much anybody could do in that situation. So I can't fault the O-line for trying their best. Um, and you got to give Todd Bowles credit, realizing that the offensive line was going to be pretty bad, that they didn't they abandoned the blitz altogether and just let their front forward just go run, run wild against that offensive line. And the proof is in the pudding. Their backup offensive line is some trash. But, <laughs> but most NFL teams' backup offensive linemen are typically trash because if you were good enough to start, you would not be sitting on somebody's bench because then that means the offensive line for that team is magnificent and it's so damn good that you just have no opportunity to play. But you're good enough to play somewhere else. So with that being said, got to give credit where credit was due. I think offensively for the Chiefs, they continually tried to pass the ball. They are a pass first run second team. I think when they realized that the offensive line was being manhandled, they needed to go with some quick traps. They needed to go with some quick hitting running plays. They needed to incorporate a fullback, somebody that could sit there and take that snap immediately and just go through whatever hole that they got and neutralize that pass rush, make that defense honest and start using more play action. They don't typically have a play action type of situation going on with their offense. So when you could just sit back and just tee off on a quarterback because he's just going to be in a, in a shotgun situation and just taking a rock, you know, it is what it is. Again, if it ain't broke, you don't fix it. Nobody, even though when they had these issues, you know, this the, the one guy hurting his Achilles or rupturing his Achilles was this one guy that went down. So they had offensive line issues prior to that, but they were able to mask it enough where they were still very potent. That one guy that went down was the like the straw that broke the camel's back. And ultimately the line just went straight to, straight to crap after that. Um, defensively, it just, man, them refs pretty much just knick-knack 
and this tit-for-tat type of fouls the entire freaking game. Hell, the, the, the Buccaneers didn't have any – the Buccaneers suffered their first 10-yard penalty deep into the, four, in the, in the fourth quarter. And I think they only had like one or two for the game versus who knows how many damn Kansas City had. I'm like, some of those, some of those calls are straight up ridiculous. And this, the, what deflated that entire team is that drive that right before the half, when Breland tripped up uh, Evans because he slipped to hit his leg, he wasn't passing the fans. The, the dude slipped. You know what I'm saying? That Tyron Matthew couldn't jam the guy coming off the line before he hit the end zone. It was called for holding. I mean, it was so many tit-for-tat type of fouls that went on. And then from that point on, they had stopped them on fourth down, but they called them from some, some ridiculous call, whatever that was, to give them a reset of downs, which they ultimately scored right before right before the half, which drastically changed the outcome of the game. So I'm not saying Kansas City would have won based off of that stop if they didn't stop them going in before the half, but at that, by that point, they were defeated. Definitely you know, they by that point, they felt like there was nothing that they could do because they felt like everything that they did, they're being penalized for. So yeah. what was the point? I don't know yeah, you give it up. And I even do you better. I would say it was the, 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 really, it was that last drive, the last three drives, it was the drive that, that Tampa Bay had, and they were calling, you know, flags on that left and right. They stopped them on the fourth down, fourth and goal, stopped them. Now, that was the point where they could have turned it around. That's when Kansas City needed to have a nice, long, you know, time-eating drive, go down 99 yards and score. Because if you do that, then it flips the mentality back on Tampa Bay. It was like, well, damn, we, we you know, we got to go, if, you know, every time. They couldn't turn it over, then they get the ball back. And then that's when they had the drive where they were throwing ticky-tack, you know, fouls. Or even the commentators at halftime were like, yo, <laughs> these calls are ridiculous. They were getting called for every little thing. Now, it could be a byproduct where, you know, Buffalo Bills were crying and complaining in the championship game that the Kansas City cornerbacks and DBs were grabbing their receivers and they were getting called. Maybe it was something that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had been, you know, talking to the refs about prior to that because, like you said, Ace, you can't jam them. You couldn't touch them. The one one pass, pass interference where the guy tripped him up because the receiver's foot hit him, and he fell on the mm -hmm. receiver, even though the ball was sort of uncatchable, and they're going to throw the flag on that, threw the flag in the end zone. And like you said, um, Ace, after that, you can tell that not only did the refs get into the um, get into the, deep, um, the, the, um, the defense's head, Tom Brady got into the defense head. And when you got him and Tyron Matthews going back and forth, when I saw that, I was like, and the crazy part was it was Brady going after Matthew. I know. But yep. well, Matthew got called for the damn foul. I know. Yeah. And I was like, he he got him. He he had him. He got in their head and then they got the ball back. And once they didn't score right after once they couldn't do anything after half, um at that point, I knew it was game over. And and, and then and then 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 Tom Brady had the audacity to send him a damn text after the game. So, oh, my bad. I didn't mean to say all that crap on the field. Let's get the hell up out of here. Like, if anything, that that would just make it even more of a problem. 
Like, like that would make it like, don't let me see you on the street. <laughs> yeah, that would be more of a problem. And I mean, like, I, I get it because if the Tampa Bay was saying, talking about how, you know, the last game of how everything was played out and they had this circled and this is what they wanted, the matchup, what they wanted, they wanted to show and prove. I get all that. But at the end of the day, it wasn't a game where you flat out beat the beat them at their best. You had a little bit of help. You had with the refs with these ticky tack calls, and you had your their offensive line that was completely depleted using backups. So you can get this now, and I'm pretty sure this is Kansas City mind. Like they, to be honest, I'm pretty sure they want to see them again in the Super Bowl um, when they're fully healthy. Because it would probably be a different outcome. Who's to say they oh, win or don't? But, oh, but but if 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 Kansas City beats them next year, it's because oh now you know Tom Brady's too old, or they'll come and, up with every excuse in the book saying the reason why they won. And this is why. And again, harks back to your point. Like truth be told, I don't understand why Tom Brady actually won MVP. When to be honest their defensive line should have been more considering of winning the MVP as a de defensive line, the defensive team, because they did more to win this game than what Tom Brady did. Tom Brady just took up uh, an advantage of the opportunity, a time manager. Mm -hmm. He wasn't the one that actually took over the game where he was throwing touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. It was the defense that stopped Kansas City's offense, which is their bread and butter, which is how they were able to win the Super Bowl. So me personally, I wouldn't have voted for Tom Brady, but because of the name, he got the MVP. And to be honest, they, Tom Brady should be thanking the defense of the D, the D line because they was the one that made the critical stops for him to get to where he got. They really should thank uh, Kansas, Tom Kansas City offensive line for being hurt. Not saying <laughs> I'm not saying that Tampa Bay's front four wouldn't have had an effect on a healthy Kansas City Chief offensive line. I'm just saying it wouldn't have been as easy as it was for them this past Sunday. And and yeah. Any, go ahead. All right. yeah, we saw the proof in the pudding when they played them, you know, the first go round. I mean I was about um, to say that. <laughs> first go round, you know, when they had a when they had a full clip, you know, you you saw it was, you know, twenty one to, you know, twenty one to the three or twenty one to seven by like mid second quarter. I mean oh, so. oh, oh no, no, don't get it twisted, dude. No, don't get it twisted because the media and everybody else will say that, you know, Tampa Bay, that was the last game they had before they had a bye. They were tired. They were they were the last team in the NFL to have a bye that week. And they had their bye after that. And then you see they they went seven and zero from that point on because they had time to regroup. They got an excuse. No, when I, it comes to that dude. no, I wasn't talking about any excuses. I'm just talking about what the product looked on the field. And when the product was on the field, I don't care. Everybody was playing the same amount of games, regardless of where your where your buy went. I'm just saying that when they the last time they played in Kansas City, you know, had their had a fully, you know, healthy offensive line and you were going tit for tat, they beat them. And it was and they ran up the score very easily the first half. Now, we granted they kind of took the foot off the gas slightly in the second half, a la lack of a run game, which the reason why they went and got, you know, um, Le'Veon Bell, yeah, but then yeah. he gets hurt. Um, the running back they had last year, Damian Williams, opted not to play. And then, you know, Carlos, you know, high, you know, Car Carlos Allaire, high, not an every down 
you know, bell rung back. He's more of like your speedy kind of scat back that will work in tandem with someone that can kind of pound the ball. So, yeah, I'm not giving no excuses. You step on the field, it's time to play. I mean, but I'm just – but the, the comparison is that with the better offensive line, the game was a better matchup and you saw the outcome. Now you can always flip it saying that Tampa Bay, once they, you know, got a chance to play them – now they knew what to expect come the second go-around, a la how the Giants played the Patriots last game of the season. You know, they ran to score, the Giants lost, but they knew they could beat them, you know, if they if they changed their approach. And we saw what happened in the Super Bowl. And that's a perfect comparison. I mean, the I mean, the Giants and the Patriots from previous. That's a perfect comparison to what it is. And there's no excuses, bottom line. You, you There is no excuses. You play with what you have. Your team is supposed to be all together, all in for this game. And so I'm not going to give that excuse. But just like with the last, like the media is so hyped up for this for whatever reason when it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because Tom Brady is a part of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like it always seems as though that they're hyped up when it's Tom Brady about this, about that. Um, they don't want to compare about the other side of things. And it, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, football is a team aspect of it. It's not just one player, um, which is why, again, I harp for the fact that the defensive line as a team should have won that MVP. It shouldn't be defined to one player because, to be honest, Tom Brady was not that one player that actually should have won that MVP. That's just my opinion at this stage. There, should, there was plenty of opportunities where other team members could have had considerable amount. But I, I agree with you when with your original point. Todd Bowles, if anything, should be praised for what he did from the defensive level. He stuck to the game. He made up, he took the opportunity of a depleted O-line, and the defense did what they were supposed to do. Bottom line. I agree. I agree. They they the Ala won in Patriots defensive fashion. <laughs> it was it was just clear to me, like mid-second quarter on when all the calls were just going against uh, Kansas City. I was just like, this game is just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And I was like, and then, and then what, what uh, Romo was like, uh, yeah, I mean, I get it. They, you know, should let the guys play, but yeah, that was clearly a foul. Oh yeah, that was clearly a foul. Oh yeah, that was clearly a foul. Oh yeah, that's clearly a foul. But you're trying to tell me that Tampa Bay played such a pristine game of football? Like they didn't have any fouls whatsoever. That's a crap. I don't, you know, I don't care that one team commits a lot of a lot of penalties, but you can't tell me that they didn't give or they didn't hold or they didn't do something on the other side of the ball because every offensive lineman, every receiver jams and holds. I don't care what it is. It's a matter if you get caught or not. But you managed to catch every time Kansas City did something, but you didn't manage to see nothing when Tampa Bay didn't do anything. Uh, did something. That's the shit that just really pisses me off. And in, and you're and you forgetting that they were in Tampa Bay. I'm sure they were paid off, Nancy. <laughs> I'm I'm sure I'm sure uh, Goodell was like, yeah, I got to make up for Deflate Gate. Uh, go ahead and slide him. Go ahead and just give him a couple calls, and let's go ahead and just give him the seventh. So you know, whatever, whatever. So we could be cool again. So I can call him, you know, I can call him Tampa, Tampa Tom too. <laughs> Tampa Tom, like I said, a story, a, a storybook ending to a storybook season for, for Mister Brady. 
Yeah, I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, I mean, is he coming back for another year? He probably will. I he think, think he, he says he thinks he can play until to after 45. So yeah, let him about, come back another year. I, I, I mean, I know Kansas, Kansas City wants him to come back another year. Oh, T- Tampa, he, Tom Brady can play until he's 45 as long as he's playing against the offensive line that blocked for him the way that they blocked for him <laughs> in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Tom true. Brady does not like to get hit. And when Tom Brady gets hit, he makes mistakes, a la the last game he played with Green Bay. Green Bay will start laying some wood on him in that second half. And what happened? He was fluttering balls and had three INTs. Now, Green Bay couldn't turn him over, but it's well known. You hit Tom Brady early and often, and he starts feeling ghosts, and that's it. Well, I'm happy, Wait, you, got we, seven, I'm happy you got a seven Super Bowl trophy. But I, I, I also said that this um, real quick. Um, the one thing I was really suspect with Kansas City was never their offense, but it was their defense. And but you saw that. Like that though. Say it again. Their defense, their defense has always been aggressive, but their defense has never been elite. Their defense is no, no. enough. No, no, but that's my point. Like, it was always just enough. And this time it wasn't enough. Like, they really need to start doing things to bolster. Like, you hear, when you hear Kansas City, you hear nothing but offense. They bring in Le'Veon Bell. They are doing this with their wide receivers, or it's about Tyreek Hill, or uh, Travis Kelsey, or Patrick Mahomes. But you never hear anything about their defensive side. Like, I'm going to be honest, their defenses contain what they, they got them this far, but it was never enough where their defense led them to an actual win. It was always the offense. You got to put up more points than the other team. I mean, their defense did enough to contain other def- I mean, their other teams, but in the Super Bowl, that was the one thing that was a concern because would they be able to do what they needed to do again against Tom Brady? Well, that being said, that if Kansas City's offense was clicking, they would have easily put up more than 30, 31 points that Tampa Bay put up. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not knocking that. That is true. But what I'm saying is, is that the 31 points, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, that's where I'm coming from. Like, I've never seen a, a, a Kansas City have a defense, a, a score where they held their team down to at least 15 points, 10 points, or nine points, or single digits. Like, every time that they play, and, and I could be wrong, but majority of the games that they play, it's been over 15 points. Their defense is not really smothering. Like, they don't do anything enough to, like, lock down the actual offense. And that's why I was saying before that that would have been a concern because if they were – for them to be that championship and remain a championship-quality team – we should be talking about their defense just as much as we talk about their offense. And that's what that was a concern for me. Uh, yeah, you know, you know, all I know is that, you know, they paid, they paid um, Chris Jones a lot of money in the offseason. Where was he at? He, he, he was he was ghost. I didn't even hear his name hardly once that entire game. Who's that? Chris Jones. What, linebacker? Defensive tackle. They paid him like oh. – they paid him, uh, paid him a lot of money this offseason. Matter of fact, they were saying the reason why uh, Mahomes took such a team-friendly uh, – <laughs> you know, a team-friendly contract – at least in the, in the beginning parts, is to be able to, you know, you know, keep the squad together. 
So everybody else can get paid. Cats got paid, especially Chris Jones. I don't know where he was at in that Super Bowl. I didn't hear his name once. I wasn't even sure whether he was actually out in the field. But <laughs> Well, I, I think I think they need to go ahead and address defense. I don't know how they're going to do it. They're going to have to address it through the draft because they. I'm sure they don't have enough capital uh, to even attempt to sit there and sign somebody to a long-term deal unless they get rid of some of their older players that got big contracts. Um, Earl Thomas was out there, not to say that they needed a DB, but Earl Thomas was out there. I think he went unsigned once Baltimore let him go. Because I didn't hear about any any team signing him. I'm not saying he would have made much of a difference, but from a defensive backfield standpoint, I'm sure he would have been an upgrade over Breland or whoever else was playing DB uh, for Kansas City. Um, but also, I want to, I know the Niners picked up what D Ford from Kansas City. I don't know if that was last year, or two years ago. But I think, I think like both, like you both are stating, they sacrificed a lot of defense to put a hellified offense out there, mm-hmm. and it shows that if something ain't working, and the offense can't be that that explosive offense that we're used to seeing, that this is going to be the outcome. And their defense, you know, has a. Uh, a lot to be desired <laughs> defensively. Not again. Not saying that the defense came up to play when they had that goal line stance. They stopped them the one time. Yep. And they oh, they were able to stop them the second time. But penalties, you know, ultimately got the best of them and they scored. So the defense kind of stood up when they needed to. But you know, uh, after a while, your defense is going to get tired because the offense ain't on the field long enough. <laughs> and so I don't know. It's just I guess I guess my, my the way I feel would be different if Kansas City would have seemed like they would have put up more of a fight. Exactly. I and it, and I think I think Mahomes saw a ghost because there was a lot of times when he started to scramble when he had a decent pocket. And I also think that the enemy didn't do enough halftime adjustments True. to make it so that they could have more dig and dunk type of passes. I mean, yes, they figured it out. Kelsey found soft spots in his own a lot, but it has to be more than just Kelsey. They got they got Hardman, they got uh they got the other cat that run back kicks. They got so many fast, speedy guys that can sit there and catch the ball, but they only seem like they wanted to target Tyreek. And um and Kelsey. Yeah. They got to be better. Sammy Watkins was, really got targeted. No, I, that was like, I mean, like, once Tampa Bay saw that, all they had to do was just lock down Tyreek Hill. Like, Travis Kelsey is going to get his catches every now and then. But they, you're right. They didn't share the ball at all, it seemed like. It seemed like it was just focused on just those two. And, of course, they make big plays. Don't get me wrong. But you got to do something to get yourself going. And they didn't make no type of halftime adjustments, like you said, like or at least work on getting maximum protection to give Patrick Mahomes the opportunity to even throw. 
Like the fact that he was still running, like so as soon as he got, you know, as soon as he got some type of opportunity, he had to run. Like it was just like there should have been some like more protection. Um, some more schemes or something. If if anything, try something instead of the same old. And I also believe Mahomes hurt himself because he would always spin and run backwards. He never took the opportunity to just step up into the pocket. True. Them guys, the pass rush was so far up the field that if he had just stepped up in the pocket and started running straight instead of back, that would have also uh, took some pressure off of the offensive line because then they would have to scheme differently about how they're going to pull rush. You know, but Mahomes, the same Mahomes thing. did a lot of stuff himself too. I, yeah. I, I'm not going to put, you know, got to put some blame on him too. No, without question. I mean, it was the same, it's the same type of format with him. Like you said, if he didn't make change, if he, he could have made that adjustment and just stepped up instead of keep rolling back, it would have been much a little bit more easier where they would have had to make some type of an adjustment. And if they would have made some type of adjustment, it may would have freed him up to give more of a opportunity to find open um, receivers. But it was just the same thing. It was just like every time it was like it was going one direction or one particular pattern. And once they picked out that pattern, that was it. Like, it, it was just a matter of just continuing to do the same thing over and over again. Yeah, and, and, and it, this is all going to be a learning experience. It should be a learning experience for um, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs because you know the league is a copycat league, so everyone is going to try to DM up next season, you know, the same way that Tampa Bay did. I mean, not to say that everyone has the personnel to do it, but everybody's going to at least try to do it and try to force them to, you know, to dink and dunk and run it more effectively. But for Patrick Mahomes, you know, this could either be a good thing or a bad thing for him. Um, he had pretty much early success. I mean, you know, he came in his first year starting. He threw, what, like, what, 45 or 44 TDs, you know, playing the AFC Championship game, in my opinion, should have won. It wasn't for a bad, you know, pre-snap pre call. Um, wins the um, MVP of the league. Comes back the next year, goes to the Super Bowl, wins. So he had a lot of early success, not a whole lot of failures, and not you know, and the Kansas City Chiefs did not get the ass smacked around like they got smacked around on live TV in front of everybody. So, I mean, I think hopefully this humbles him to a, to a certain degree, and you know, they all learn from this because I always thought that the the baby goat conversation with between him and Brady, I thought it was, I thought it was unfair, you know, for him and Tom, but it was definitely unfair for him because he's not there yet. He only got one. He's only got one, you know, Super Bowl win underneath his belt, but I get it. We're all ready for Tom Brady to go off into the sunset. They're ready to transition to the new guard. So they like Patrick Mahomes. He's exciting. He's flashy. You know, he puts up, you know, high numbers, TD. So, you know, the league and the media has been pushing him for the last two years, especially after he won the Super Bowl, for him to be that man, the next guy, you know, once, you know, Brady and eventually Rodgers and other guys starts to, you know, decline and fade away. But do you guys think that this derails, not to say he's going to be, quote, unquote, the goal, but do you think this sort of will hang around and take the luster off of him moving forward? Or do you think he could learn or will be able to learn from this? I think he'd be able to learn. I mean, hell, if, if everybody's sitting there cupping Tom Brady's, you know what, in the basement because it's cold. 
and he could go to Super Bowl and still lose and still be considered a GOAT because he's won so many. Why can't he have the same opportunity to uh, to um, have that same type of uplifting feeling from across the league and the pundits, you know, alike to say, yeah, I think he'll still learn from it because I still believe that he's going to see five or six more Super Bowls in his lifetime. I don't think just because he lost this game head to head, you know, if if Tom is that dude and, you know, they're just getting started as far as, oh, you know, they finally started to gel the last seven games. Just think what they could do with OTA and run it back. Run it back next year. See them in the next Super Bowl and see what happens the next time. You know, if 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 Tom Brady is that dude. Because you know Kansas City going to run, run uh, ruck shop. You know they're going to be pissed off. You know it. <laughs> so run it back. Let's see what's good. And, so, and the NFL is pretty pretty interesting, you know, with scheduling. Because it wouldn't shock me in the least if they didn't put Kansas City and New England again meeting up during the regular season. Me, Tampa Bay. Oh, Tampa Bay, I'm sorry. You know, a rematch of last year's Super Bowl because it was so bad that, you know, people want to see what it would be like if they're at full strength. No, I, I completely agree. And to be honest, I'm going to say this. All this media hype about um, Patrick Mahomes and this legacy, this is tarnishing the legacy. I'm going to say this. This is, y'all are way too invested in this to the point where he just started. Y'all a little premature in your thoughts saying that this will shut down any more talk about the greatest, um, him being a part of one of the greatest of all times. He just got, this is what, his second year in, third year starting, third year, um, second year in the Super Bowl, right? Am I right? Third yep. year starting, fourth, second fourth year, year in the league. Super Bowl. Four, four, yeah, fourth year in the league. Oh, third fourth year, year in the league, yeah. third year third starting, year second, year, second year in the Super Bowl in a row, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So his journey is just starting. Like, they're already at a point, like, who's to say that after this he won't win or go to the Super Bowl six out of the last um, eight tries again? And either equals or surpass Tom Brady's record. Like, people really need to just let this play out. Don't put Patrick Mahomes in that conversation just yet. Granted, he has won a Super Bowl. So technically, he's there. But you don't see nobody else comparing Tom Brady with Aaron Rodgers, who won a Super Bowl, or Drew Brees, who won a Super Bowl. It's what is the hottest commodity right now, which is Tom, which is Patrick Mahomes. And he's just now getting started. So I think everybody needs to just calm back. I mean, take a step back on this whole baby goat thing, me personally, and just let his career play out first. Let him win some more Super Bowls before you even put him in that conversation. And I'm not saying that as a knock to Patrick Mahomes. I'm just saying that it's premature to say that there should be no more talk about him being a part of the greatest conversation if he hasn't even reached the peak of his career yet. Um, that's just my opinion. No, so I think y'all need to step back on that. I mean, not saying y'all, but I'm just saying media as a whole need to step back on that and just focus on the here and now. Patrick Mahone has a lot of years left to play. So we'll see how his career turns out. But this whole talk about just because he lost to Tom Brady, there should be no more talk about him being in the GOAT conversation. It's ridiculous. And quite frankly, it's premature. 
when you think about it. His career needs to be established first, and he has plenty of time to establish that career. Bottom line. I totally agree. Um, you know, I look at the, you know, hearing all the, you know, sports analysts and pundits on Monday morning as always being, you know, prisoner of the moment, Monday morning quarterbacks were saying that the conversation with Tom Brady and it's over, it's done. It's, it's no more, you know, that, that, that was it, you know, and, you know, I was thinking about that and harking back and somebody alluded to the fact that, you know, you, you think about Jordan with the six championships, six and zero. Oh, six NBA MVPs in regards of who he played with, whether or not he played with one or two all 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 stars or all NBA players, however you want to call it, the man still went six and zero. Oh. And up until a certain point, he was considered the GOAT and there was no debate whatsoever until fairly recently, you know, we have LeBron James. He has more losses than wins. However, when he was sitting on three wins, and what was it, four or five losses, people were still trying to say that he was the GOAT then, even though he had half the amount of wins that Jordan had in the finals and more losses than Jordan had in the finals and probably more losses than Jordan and Magic had combined. So, you know, it's still time. You know, he has still time to make it. So if you can say LeBron James at, what, four championships and five losses, you can argue that he's the GOAT. And some people try to argue that some of those losses didn't even count, you know, then you can't sit there and summarily dismiss, like you said, Al, the fact that Mahomes doesn't have that opportunity to get to where Brady is, but you got to give him some more time. Let him, if he comes back to the uh, Super Bowl and they have a rematch and he beats Brady with the Tampa Buccaneers, and then he goes back and let's say he wins the next two out of the three or two out of the four Super Bowls, then that conversation is going to start coming back again, especially if one of those wins comes at the expense of Tom Brady. Oh, but trust me, if it does come, it's going to be some other excuse in the book. Talking about, oh, the, the defense the defense was horrible, or they'll make up some sort of excuse the reason why. Because there's always an excuse when Tom Brady doesn't win Super Bowl. You know, oh, it's oh, the same thing with LeBron James. How about to say the same thing? The same thing. Oh, well, well, in LeBron's, you know, people in his defense will say, well, he went to 10 straight NBA finals. What other player could say they've done that? That's what Again. I go. I, hey, I get Again. it. Trust me. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but if they want to sit there and say he's a GOAT because he went to 10 straight, no other player has ever been to 10 straight uh, NBA finals. I don't give a fuck about that because the Buffalo Bills went to four straight finals. Jim Kelly lost four straight finals. And and, and what? So he's better than Brady. He's better than Breeze. <laughs> better than Breeze. Better than Rodgers. Better than Mahomes. I hate that argument. I don't care about how many times you went. I care about how many times you won. <laughs> exactly. Your, curve, your success speaks for itself. And... Don't give me about this stats and all that stuff because you've been in the league for roughly a long period of time. You came from high school to make it into the NBA and been there all for the for your career. Of course, your stats is going to be in a position where it should be. It should be. It shouldn't be no less. But your success, what you win at the end is what matters and what makes you one of the greatest. And there could be a debate, like I said before, people who are, who are LeBron fans is going to always say LeBron is going to be the greatest. People who are always going to say Jordan is going to think otherwise. 
Same thing with Tom Brady. People who are on Tom Brady is going to say Tom Brady is is one is the greatest. He has a he and there's argument for that. My thing is is that it all depends on your success. And the bottom line is this: at the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes still has the opportunity to get there and prove himself to be one of the best. He has plenty of time. Tom Brady is going to tell in of his career. Patrick Mahomes is in the beginning of his, reaching his peak. So at the end of the day, there should be no conversation. There should even be no comparison to, between the two at this moment. It's just really just all hype about the Super Bowl. And now that that is over, the conversation should now go back to what is going to happen during the offseason and what's going to happen if um, Kansas City can make it back or if Tampa Bay can make it back. Bottom line. I agree. I agree. Uh, I'm just happy now we can focus on all this drama that's going on. Russell Wilson is speaking up saying, you know what, Seattle, screw you. You don't protect me. I might want to leave. Dak, Cowboys putting out uh, hype videos and Dak's not part of it. Now he's following the Washington football team on social media. Speculation that Dak might want to go to, to D.C. Oh, my. Then, then then Indianapolis don't want to don't want to give up all the capital that Philly wants for Wentz. Uh, <laughs> I tell you, I don't blame but, him on that either. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's damaged goods. I wouldn't give up no two ones for his ass. No, not no, 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 no. He might be lucky if you get a two. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a three in this pack of Starburst and Skittles. You know, <laughs> that's probably all you're gonna get. <laughs> Tuna fish sandwich or something, but you ain't getting that much. Uh, Ain't getting that much out of me. Um, I'm just, I'm just, I, I, I specifically did not watch ESPN at all Monday and Tuesday because I didn't want to hear all the dribble about Tom Brady this and Tom Brady that. I didn't want to hear that crap. So I purposely did not pay attention to any sport until today. And I'm starting to hear all this, this chatter about all this uh, quarterback uh, carousel that's going on and now McShay dropped his mock, you know, his 2.0 uh, mock draft where he got the first, the top four picks of all QBs uh, coming out <laughs> with obviously Sunshine going to Jacksonville, but the QB from BYU going second to the Jets if they decide that they're going to part ways with Darnold. And if they do, then they're going to go after the QB from BYU, but if they don't, then they're talking about trading back, which at that point, Carolina Carolina will try to jump up to two to grab that Q QB from BYU. Then that leaves, uh, I forgot who's the uh, pick at number three, but pick at number three is going to go after the kid from uh, North Dakota State, Trey Lance or Trey Lane or whatever his name is. Yeah. And then Justin Fields, number four to Atlanta. Um, so I was just happy to skip all of that crap because I, when I tell you I was so damn disgusted after <laughs> Sunday watching that game, like literally, I was disgusted. Like, I was just like, God, man. I was like, I don't even care so much that he won. It's just the way he won it. It just seems like, it just seemed like they, they just gifted it to him. Like, hey, go ahead and make history. Go ahead and be that dude that, you know, doesn't have more Super Bowls wins to any other whatever and it just put a real bad taste in my mouth and I had to step away from it 
I really did. So I'm happy to be back. <laughs> well, he's happy to be back. <laughs> I was about to say when you're, when, and you could tell when, 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 when our favorite NFL person doesn't want to talk about NFL, <laughs> specifically the Super Bowl. That's when you know. <laughs> that's when you know. Man, look, was, I'm ready. I'm ready for this draft to come. I want to see what my Niners are going to do. You know, are we going to pass on Jimmy G, you know, and let's move on to somebody else? I hope so. I truly do. But if we do not, <laughs> then I can only hope for something else. But I digress. I know we said we're not going to talk basketball, so we won't. Because um, it's just a waste of time just to talk basketball. <laughs> Why? It just makes no sense. If, if, and if we were going to talk about basketball, we're going to talk about your squad. And you, I'm sure you don't even want to talk about them, so let's, let's keep moving. If my man, man Jalen, yeah, I mean, you know, let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, just... I, I don't know, man. I, 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 to be honest, it's it's weird because even if we wasn't talking about now that the Super Bowl is over, normally <clears throat> it would be, if not the NBA, it would be college basketball. Um, but let's be honest, with college basketball still playing, like it's not enough hype as it used to be. Like I believe that they were showing, <clears throat> I think North Carolina and Duke were supposed to play. Um, I don't know when, but yeah, but that's my point. Like, it's not like as exciting as it was. I think I, it won't get excited until March if they bring back March Madness. Now, I don't know if they are or not. Yeah. I believe they are. Okay. All right. So then I, I think the hyping, the hype for anything NCAA related at this particular junction won't be until the actual March Madness. Oh, you, want to know why, you want to know why college basketball is because ESPN can't 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 you know can't be on their knees with their kneecaps on with their uh, knee pads on, blessing Kentucky, and blessing Duke, and blessing Kansas, and blessing some other blue bloods because they all suck this season. None of them are ranked. <laughs> so when they can't when they can't bless up the four or five schools. <laughs> What are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? It's just they have nothing to really talk about. So they can't sit there and say, oh, you know, that Wisconsin-Ohio State game is going to be looking pretty good this week. Or that Baylor-West Virginia game is looking pretty good this week, even though Baylor's ranked number two. West Virginia is out right outside the top ten. Fourteen. They can't hype that up and say, but they'll hype up a Duke-North Carolina team with both of them sitting under 500. <laughs> They'll try their damnest to hype that shit up. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Because I was sitting there like, isn't Duke like a two-win team? Or they're very low. They're not. I think they, they haven't played like 11 games. And they're like five and six or something like that. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't even think they. And, it's the first time I haven't heard them rank at all. And Kentucky is five and 13 right now. Whew. Kansas is 12 and seven. Yeah, yeah. So the, I mean, the top ten is like Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Ohio State, Villanova, 
Illinois, Texas Tech, Houston, Virginia, and Missouri. And what out of those ten, what are those ooze excitement? Gonzaga. Nobody. Good. I'm going to be honest. When March Madness hits, if Gonzaga is the number one team, I really want to see them win a national championship. That would be intriguing to me. Yep. That would be more intriguing to me, if anything. That will actually get me to watch college basketball again, without question. But but it will Gonzaga do what Gonzaga do? They'll get there, reach the, the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, and then, and then lose. And then face playing. <laughs> and then, then and when that happens, I will go right back to not watching it no more at this stage because then you'll see, you know, unless it's some team that I haven't seen in the Elite Eight. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'll be intrigued of March Madness because of March Madness. Um, but it's not going to have that same excitement as every all the fans there jumping up and down and, you know, that whole – that whole vibe. Um, it doesn't have that whole vibe now, as a matter of fact. So I'm curious to see if Duke can finish the season at a 500 record and see how the committee puts them at like a 15 seed or a 16 seed. And then watch Duke get hot all of a sudden and be the first 15 seed to ever make it to a Final Four. <laughs> oh, you, you, oh, oh, Selection Sunday is going to be, that is going to be. It's going to be fascinating. Yes, mm -hmm. I will agree with you on that. If it stays as is, can you imagine like like those teams like Duke or those teams that are not even officially ranked making it there and then having a team that you never really heard of with a better record and a simplified better record, maybe 10 and 5 or whatever the case may be, not making it into the NCAA? That would be a problem. So let me, let me ask you guys a question. So what would you attribute – uh, would you attribute the, the reason why some of your traditional blue blood powerhouses that are not in the top 10 or not even ranked at all, you know, would you contribute their season, their struggles in the season to, you know, everything with the pandemic, maybe not being able to practice as much as they used to not be able to have those long, you know, Hawaii or whatever tournaments like they would preseason or do you, or do you think it's a, lack of the one and done's finally catching up to the NCAA after about 10 years, it, it's finally catching up to them where now these blue bloods, they're, they're running out of top talent. So now everything is starting to even out where the guys that don't have a lot of one and done's, you know, now they're in their junior year or their senior year. So they're much, much stronger. Or do you think it's a combination of two or something totally different? I think it has a little bit to do with both because it's obvious uh, this year uh, I, I'm not, I've not followed college basketball to a T like that. You know, I'm kind of watching from a distance because, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a homer when it comes to my alma mater. So we understand that. So I kind of watch it from a distance from that aspect, but I don't, I haven't heard the pundits, the, the ESPNs, the CBSs, whomever, Fox Sports, all the media. I haven't heard them specifically talk about one particular person, a freshman that's come in and has been really stand out at this point. Um, the one that they thought would be that dude is the one at Kentucky who Calipari said needed to grow up and told him to step away from the team for a while, blah, blah, blah. And after that, you ain't heard from Cat since. And I think 
he was the one that, I, I, don't quote me, I do not know, but I think he was the one that recently got hurt for Kentucky and he's pretty much out for the season right now. So you, you, you're not hearing that buzz about somebody. And then to make, the, to make things worse, all these cats are going to want to come back because they got the free season. And then you got the kids who are supposedly supposed to be like those one and dones coming out of high school this coming year that want to jump into college for that one season. What about all those one and dones who are at the Blue Buds now? What are they going to do? They're going to transfer to a lesser Power Five program. <laughs> so now it's college basketball is going to be even wackier next season because a lot of those kids who would typically go to a Kentucky, a Duke, or whatever, are end up going to other schools because they can't go there because there's no space for them. And then you have a lot of coaches who don't condone those type of athletes on their squad too. They don't want one of Dunners on their squad. So this season is just going to be a micro a microcosm of how things are going to go forward even going into next season. So I, I love the fact that these one and done type of athletes are having a somewhat of a negative effect on college basketball right now because it's really showing the Gonzagas of the world where you got those three or four year athletes on their squad and they are dominating. And then you have Kentucky <laughs> who supposedly have the top athletes coming out and they can't win a game to save their life. And I love it. I'm enjoying it. Yes. Yes. Um, not only that, um, yeah, everything that you said, um, Ace, is true. Um, but not only that, like you said, the one-and-dones are not even coming to college no more because they, they have the opportunity as well to either go overseas or play in the G League now. So there's different opportunities out there where there's going to be people that – I think that – I agree. It's, it's a mixture of all those things, the pandemic. A lot of people is like, I'm not traveling, you know, away from home or whatever the case may be. Whatever the reasons are, they're going to stay where they are close to home. And truth be told, the, a lot of superstar high school athletes are saying, well, I could get paid in the GD or I could get paid overseas, then come into the NBA draft. So with that being said, it's not as much hype, not as much star power. It's not like another Zion Williamson there where people are going to watch and see what he does on a college level at this stage. There's not enough hype in any of the actual college um, players that are out there right now where you could say this is a much-watched game at this stage, which is one of the reasons why they got – you have the Kentucky versus Duke or North Carolina versus Duke. They got to work on their name power alone to try to attract somebody to watch the game. And that's just part of the NCAA's um, repertoire. So I think that at the end of the day, this is not going to have the same amount of hype as it used to um, they're hoping that the actual March Madness will help do that. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see because of right now, I don't see a lot of people watching college basketball just to see college basketball at the moment. Yeah, I mean, even when I look at the TV, you know, you know, I'm seeing a lot of, you know, Big 12, Big 10, SEC, not Kentucky games on TV, hardly any ACC games on TV. They're like, you know, snuck away on ACC, you know, on, on ESPN because you don't have, you know, Duke or Syracuse or some of those, you know, powerhouse in ACC that are strong. However, I think this um, March Madness, I agree with y'all. I think it's going to be very, very fascinating. People got cheated from March Madness last year. So I think there's going to be a lot of, 
you know, interest of watching it this year. And I think the way the top 10 is spread out now, where there's a lot more parity and there's not that one team like Duke two years ago, that was pretty much driving it or the Kentucky teams that were driving it, you know, in the past, this might make for some real compelling um, games in March Madness. Um, you probably start seeing how things are going to shake out in the different tournaments um, pre-March Madness, which I think is the way Duke might be able to slide in the end of the day, somehow luck out and win the, you know, the ACC tournament. Um, but I would not be surprised if you see a, a, a one seed get tripped by a, a 16 seed or, you know, you know, a couple of two seeds get dropped early because I think it's going to be a lot more parity, a lot more evenly matched teams out there. And I think it's going to be, it's going to be a free for all. Right. You like might, they might not, you might not wind up with not their one, one number one seed going into the um, final four. True. But like you oh. said, <laughs> I could, I could also see that, but like you said before, this is their opportunity now for the small team that to have the opportunity to showcase what they can do because once this goes back to, I guess, some type of normalcy, or normal um, culture, I think that it's going to be right back to where it was with these big schools. Um, Kentucky is going to get come back. You don't think so? It's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult because think about it. NCAA granted these players the opportunity to get a free season and to come back, and it doesn't count towards a year of eligibility. So they're literally just playing this year to be playing this year, and they come back to the same status. So these true freshmen that come in there and have been playing horrible could come back next year, and they're still considered true freshmen as the eligibility goes because this is just straight a free year for them. Mm-hmm. So then it, it, it makes things – and I get what you're saying as far as those elite, elite players have the opportunity to go to G League and overseas. But those who opt not to do that, but yet they want to have that college experience, where are they going to go? They can't go to Kentucky. They're not going to go to Duke. Because none of those none of those guys are going to sit there and think that they played well enough where they think their draft stock is going to put them in a, into the lottery. So they're all going to stay. They have no choice but to stay. That or they're going to go to the G League. But then if you go to the G League, they're not even going to get that much money going into the G League because of the production that they put in in the one-year college, which just wasn't great. <laughs> So I think I think those elite players who opt, don't want to go to pay route but want to experience that college year are going to find it very difficult to go to those blue bloods because a lot of them are still going to be the, the one and done is that would have left are still going to be there. So where are they going to ultimately go? They're going to go to those secondary schools. They may mess around and go try to save Jim Beheim's career at Syracuse and end up in Syracuse. Or they're going to start going to these other schools where they typically wouldn't be going to. But it ain't going to be West Virginia because because uh, Huggy Bear don't play that. <laughs> he does not take one of dummies. Yeah, I see a lot of schools don't take one of dummies at the moment. But hey, they may mess. They may mess around. Now let's follow this. They may mess around and start going to HBCUs. We've been talking about them trying to do – should have been doing that for long at this stage. But what's the – what's the – why – if they just need to showcase their – if these one these one and done is just need to showcase their skills for one season, 
what's to stop them from going to HBCUs next year just to say, okay, I just want to play one year and I'm gone? Nothing. I mean, the MEAC has that. I mean, yeah, the MEAC has the perfect opportunity because they're still a D1 school. Uh, you have a play in tournament. You still can make it into the NCAA tournament where you can showcase what you can do. Now, granted, if all one and done, um, all, all players that are saying to themselves that I'm going to be one and done no matter what can have that opportunity to do it there and still pro and produce because the only problem is, is that they won't get enough exposure just like they would with these powerhouse schools. And that's been the biggest issue. Whether they, you know, if they're trying to do one and done, they want to get the maximum exposure they can so that the NBA scouts can see them. The only way they can do it at this stage, if they were to go into the MEAC, it would be for them to win everything just to get into the NCAA college tournament because that's the only way that they're going to view them. You don't hear people, going, scouts going to HBCUs to scout players because of the, you know, because they're HBCUs. They don't have that prestige as some of these big powerhouses like a Kentucky or a Duke or North Carolina which is one of the reasons why so many one-and-donees go there anyway. Kentucky opened up that one-and-done policy, which made it easier. And plus the fact that Kentucky was winning was just a revolving door of one-and-donees, no matter what. So that's how they make, made their mark. But for that to happen, other colleges would have to be open to that. And like you said, for example, Huggy wouldn't do that in West Virginia. So they're going to go to colleges that will allow that or would be open to it and get the maximum exposure that they want. Well, if I may rebuttal, I think if, just to say there's 10 of those kids that make a handful or whatever, and they all decide, you know, one's a guard and one's a forward, one's a guard, one's a center, whatever, whatever. And they say, well, you know what? Two of us are gonna go to Jackson State. Two of us are going to go to FAMU. Two of us are going to go here. Two of us are going to go there. And we're all going to just stay up in one damn league. And we're just going to go head to head. You're trying to tell me all the pundits of ESPN wouldn't sit there and drool and salivate and start putting those games on TV? Because trust me, how many games do you think Deion Sanders and Jackson State University football is going to be on TV this season? I guarantee you they have more than three. <laughs> I, guarantee I, I guarantee I get that. And if I can rebut your rebuttal, uh, <laughs> the problem is getting those people to come together to do it. You're not going to get a collaborative group of guys that are top tier players that are highly drafted and sought on in the high school level to come together and say, this is exactly what you're, we're going to do as a group. You won't have that you will have people going for theirs individually because they're going to look to see what is best for them. They're not going to come together and say, unless they're really tight where they grew up, they live like five miles apart where they grew up together for years and years and years and years, where their families know their families and all that stuff. Until that happens and they're collectively doing it as one big happy family, that's one thing. But these People don't know all these other groups unless they play against them in AAU. You're going to have maybe one or two people that know each other that's been friends for a long time that may do it. But you need a whole plethora of athletes, young high school athletes to come together. Even a top 10 would never come together of the high school 
athletes would never come together and say, we're going to go to this HBCU. If they do, that would be very much of a miracle because you have different high schoolers from different locations, different states, all of them. They would have to be formed together as some type of union to say that this is what we're going to do. And I just don't see that happening. I don't. And I, and I know we're coming up on time. I don't know if you have a, a voice that you want to sit there and throw the interest in. And... Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I would love to see that. You know, I think there's an avenue where they could, um, more so basketball than football. But, yeah. you know, nothing is normal. You know, sports, basketball and football are high are high business sports and they're not regional like they used to be. So since, like you said, Al, in basketball, you got one year to get as most maximum exposure as you can to be able to go into the league. If you're one of those top five or ten, yeah. you know, guys and, you know, guys in the country, you got one year, one year only. Get your maximum exposure. If you don't go to the G League or you don't go overseas, you got one year. I love my HBCUs, but I wouldn't go to one of them if I had one year only to get as most maximum exposure. You're gonna go to your Blue Bloods, you're gonna go to your Kentuckys, your Dukes, your your um, Michigan, your Villanova. You're gonna go to those top tier schools if you're that top tier person, you know, in the league. I guarantee you LeBron James, as much as you can talk about HBCUs, if he's going to go into the league, either A, he's going to go to the NBA if they're allowing you to go right from high school to NBA at this time, or B, he's going to one of those high-powered schools, if not overseas. I don't think LeBron James sends him to a sends him to the G League. I can see that more so with football because you don't have that one year. You have two to three. So – I think it's much more easier for what you're saying, Ace, in football to do something more, more so than basketball because we all can say, Al can say, yeah, let's all go to HBCU and ball out for one year. But those kids don't have that mindset. They're not built like that. They're built like you said, Al, I want to get mine. If I want to get mine, I'm going to one of those top tiers because I got one year to show and prove. In football, you can all say we're going to go to – Howard or whatever the top, you know, you know, Mac school is. And let's try to push and get ourselves into one of the big, you know, the big games. But that takes time. And these kids aren't built. They're not built for that. Not these kids now. Now, I'm, okay, I guess. I, guess I agree with you. I would love to see it. And I wish they would. I just don't think the kids' mindsets now is built for something like that. But, the, you know, but I, I, I'm sorry to jump in, but the best way to do it is what Jackson State did with Deion Sa Sanders. You bring in somebody to get the exposure that you need from, so that will draw the kids to come, that will want the kids to come to the school. And if they were to do something like that, like HBCUs, HBCUs, they have the opportunity, like you could go look at some of these player turned coaches and try to bring them in reinvest in some way to where you could bring to get to build that program up. You could talk to media to see what you can do to get maximum exposure. There are ways that you can do it. Not saying that they, not saying that they may not they have tried they haven't tried, but for whatever reason, they're not getting the exposure that they would need for the players that would want to come to their program. Okay. I get I get what both of you guys are saying. 
but I just want to make sure that the reason why I'm saying it doesn't get overlooked. I'm just saying, I'm not saying this would be something to happen moving forward. I'm just saying based off the situation, based off of COVID, based off the NCAA allowing these kids to come back with no penalty, no nothing, that a lot of these kids are going to be staying in school and a lot of these cats that want to have that college experience and not to go into the G League or overseas. This will be a perfect opportunity. It it probably would only happen one time because this this just that these kids just don't have anywhere to go. That's that elite blue blood type of school to go to. Yeah, they can go to up and comers. They can go to the Oregon's, the USC's, UCLA's. They can go to all those schools back in the day that meant something. Syracuse, UConn, you name it. There's tons of schools where they can go. I get it. But if there was ever a one-time opportunity where they could make it, because trust me, Max Preps, all these outlets, all these these people that follow these kids back when they're in elementary school all the way up, the NBA knows about them. Mm-hmm. They don't need to go to Kentucky or Duke or anything to, to get the exposure. Because trust me, the NBA knows about them. <laughs> so they can go to the underground sewer university in, in Maine and whatever and play underground somewhere. And trust me, the NBA will find that talent. <laughs> so I'm just saying, if there was ever an opportunity for the HBCUs, HBCUs to take advantage of a situation, I'm just saying this would probably be the one time that they could try to maximize it. I'm not saying it would work, but this would be the one time that if it were ever going to work, based off a of situation, this would be the one time where it should. No, I agree. No, I completely agree with you on that. It's just the problem is, is that you have to convince, again, the kids to want to go. And right. that's going to be their biggest issue right now because as it currently stands, none of these kids that are top tier is not probably, and I'm not saying that they are or not, but I don't think that they're considering HBCU as their top choice to go when they're try- when in what they're trying to do. And it could be because that some of these HBCUs that even probably reached out to them or even make an attempt to try and recruit. So it could be a plethora of things. The one kid, the one five-star center went to Howard. Yeah, yes, I, I do. Yes, but he made that choice himself. He was yeah, like, yeah. yes, this is something that I want to do. Okay. But it's it's going to be something where both teams, I mean, both sides would have to be in agreement of. Not just, I mean, of course, the HBCUs would, would love to get recruit somebody with a top-tier status like that. But it's just a matter of the players wanting to go as well. Yeah, and last thing I'll say is that Ace, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, the environment is definitely could be there for them to, you know, move over to HBCUs if it's not going to be enough spots as it would normally would be because no one is really leaving. So I will I would absolutely love to see it. Um, if a lot of these kids that are talking about, you know, the movement being down for the culture, you really want to put your money where your you know your money where your mouth is or your career where your mouth is. Okay, then go look at HBCU. Let's get all the talent go down there. Let's see that shift, and you'll get a lot more people attention than just wearing a Black Lives Matter and I Can't Breathe or whatever logo you want to put on your shirt or your, you know, face mask on your shoes. If you want to really catch some attention, then do something to catch some attention, and that would be the perfect, you know, that'd be a, a perfect avenue. But then, but like I said, I just don't know if these kids are built are built for that. It would definitely take parents. It would definitely take the AAU coaches. Everybody would have to be chirping in their ear 
And then they would just like the cat that went to Howard would have to just want to go. I agree. I agree. And I know we went way over time. I know we were saying that we were going to talk anything but football. But we didn't talk NBA. We talked college basketball. So I agree. You're good. I agree. And I'm glad we went down that road because we <laughs> talked some serious stuff here. So with that being said, we have hit our time. Uh, so where can folks find you guys? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, uh, J.E. Ross, the number seven. You know, it's interesting the fact that Howard is, not, is, on, is one and four with the guy there. So I got to see more. We I got to look more into that. They have a one and four record. Hey, well, but I think also just because, you know, they didn't have a. Well, I don't know. I can't speak up. Yeah, I, I got to look into that more. But, of course, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. You can find me on Twitter, CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. But I guarantee, even though they're going one and four, I'm sure he's balling. And I'm sure that he'll still get drafted. Trust me. <laughs> you know, that's just what it is because they'll do upside with him. Uh, but anyway, uh, like to thank everybody out there who's listening. You know, all our love out in West Virginia and different places. We love you guys for listening in. We appreciate it. Um, so I, I really don't have much else to say other than to stay masked up, stay safe. I know this winter storm is coming and East Coast is getting battered left and right with all this all this snow. So everybody out there, just be careful, be safe. Unless you're in warm weather climate, then. I don't have nothing, nothing to worry about. It's time. Uh, so, and if that's the case, then I'm jealous. Uh, so, I guess I'll just say from here, just bid a farewell or do until next week. Uh, make sure you guys keep tuning in to the guys' office.